Welcome to the Brock Lurie Podcast, everyone. The smartest, most intelligent, most effervescent show on the air on iTunes and SoundCloud. Effervescent. Yeah, anyway, that's Brock Lurie. He'll be taking over. I'm involved in technical work right now, so just listen to him. He'll take you the rest of the way. Coming to the microphone, Brock Lurie. Yes, we're a professional operation. <laughs> Thank you, Ari. All right, yes, uh, Brock Lurie, thanks for, for tuning in. Look, today, uh, it, it seems to me that we really ought to talk about the, um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, not because of the recent events and such, and there have been many recent events, but there have been a lot of demonstrations, and the theory is, maybe not the theory, but the whole concept is that uh, black people have been, uh, people of color have been uh, killed uh, by way of police force and otherwise, and this must reflect uh, a horrible pattern of racism and, uh, and that's a bad thing, and we need to completely change the whole dynamic of the way we interact with the police or the police interacts with us. Uh, I understand that, um, and uh, this, is, this is an issue uh, of the day. So I'm going to put this here, I guess. Um, so we, we, we understand that, that there is some logic to that and some concern, but here, here's the problem. You have to keep it in perspective. And if you don't want to keep it in perspective, and if you want to decide that every time there is a, um, an attack uh, upon anybody, uh, that therefore it reflects hundreds of thousands of people that are being equally treated, uh, then, you know, I can't stop you. But it, it's not logical, and it, it bears no relationship to reality. And reality is important. At some point, you, you do have to live with reality, right? So, the, the, the real, what, okay, so what's the reality here? The reality is that, and I think you said it so well, Ari, that there are so few people, right? In the Wild West, when, when we took, people talk about the Wild West, crime was actually very low in the Wild West. And the reason why we know is because, well, first of all, there, there's not a huge amount of crime statistics coming out of the Wild West. But because those people who did commit crimes had names and we, we knew them. And they were caught. And so there's Billy the Kid and, and, um, and all the guys who, you know, <clears throat> Wyatt Earp arrested and such. Yeah, Butch Cassidy, Sundance, right. you know, all yeah. those kind of people. And also it was wild, as in, it's wild. There's nothing here. It's in the wild. Right. Yeah, it's that, a bunch that of sagebrush. Right. <laughs> and so likewise, you know, I call it on my show, the unicorn. People seek to try to find this, this great moment somehow, or not the great, it's obviously a horrible moment, but this terrible moment when a white cop is killing a black person, uh, and with racist purposes. Okay, so, so first you got you got to tweak that a little bit, right? You got to take that apart. Uh, first of all, you've got to decide that the that the that the that the cop is actually killing the person, um, and that the person who is has been killed has not acted in a horrible way that in fact justified the killing. All right. So if, for example, the the, the perp or the victim uh, has acted in a way where he actually tried to kill the cop and then the cop kills him, well, then you can't blame the cop for killing him, right? That's self-defense. Uh, he's using an appropriate amount of force and it ends up being lethal force. You wish it wouldn't happen, but nevertheless, sometimes it has to happen. That is why cops have guns, right? Because they recognize the possibility that they may very well have to use those guns at some point, right? All right. Um, and then you also have to decide that 
in addition to it not being self-defense, that it was an unjustified use of lethal force, you would also have to say that it was done with racist purposes, that the cop did it because he didn't like the black person that he was dealing with, and he wants to kill him specifically because he's black or a minority or, or of, of any color whatsoever, right? That's, that's what you would have to believe. And here's the problem. There's two, it's twofold. One is uh, that there's been a great study from Harvard by a black professor, no less, who actually came into the study with the plan and, and uh, attitude and the opinion and position that there were many uh, killings designed with racist intent uh, for, for all of this to happen. That, that was his whole mantra. And so what does he find? He finds out, it's okay, you can take that. Okay. Um, it's, it, the, he finds that, in fact, that there's not one case, not just a minority of them, not just only a tiny sliver of them, but zero examples of racial bias when these cops have a lethal confrontation with a, uh, an average citizen. Zero. Okay? That's a big deal. Now, if that's the case, then the Black Lives Matter movement has really no purpose whatsoever. Because if it's not, if no one's being killed because of their skin color, and in fact, sadly, somebody's being killed either by mistake or uh, be, because the cop is actually defending himself in a very violent confrontation, well, then you can't blame the cop for that. And certainly it's not racist at the end of the day. And okay, and now we're back. Uh, Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, uh, it, it's, not, it's not the responsibility of the, of the cop. I mean, he can't, you can't say that it's racist. That's the end of the story. And what, what a bizarre thing for this Harvard professor to find out that there was in tr indeed no bias whatsoever. I'm sure it shocked him. But, you know, much to his credit, he, a, a black Harvard professor, you would think that that's a, a fair, and, and he had the bias himself. He wanted to set out to prove that there was a, a great degree of racial bias. And he found none. Okay, so maybe you can say, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, even though he himself is black. Uh, he doesn't understand the black experience. Maybe he's too out of touch because he himself is from Harvard. I don't know what you want to argue at this point. But at the very least, even if there was one example, it's still just one example out of a thousand. You can't say that, therefore, it's, it's a, a horrible problem that's, that's uh, coming all over the, the, the country. It's just not happening. Anyway, I, I, my concern is that they that it's getting so out of hand. It's so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, tumbling over itself in such a way, that, and it's creating momentum that's so dangerous. Reaching critical mass. It's, uh, yeah, reaching critical mass. Exactly right. It's a snowball effect. And Black Lives Matter movement, of course, they want to justify their own existence. because. Uh, so what, what happens when you tell the Black Lives Matter, hey, listen, guys, it's, it's very clear that black lives do indeed matter, but I just want you to know that there's been no example of racial bias in any of uh, a simple smattering of a thousand lethal confrontations. So I don't know if your group really has any justification to proceed forward. Your, your job is, has, is done. Thank you very much, right? I mean, it's, like, it's a little bit like the abolitionists for, for slavery, right? I, you know, there's no point in having that group anymore, right? Because, well, there's no more slavery in the country. You, you don't have a, a pro-abolitionist group going on. Um, so, but, but Black Lives Matter still has to has it have its own momentum, and that's the reason why it's playing out. 
Okay, now here is something else. Um, and this is the topic we were talking about before, Ari, which is that in the Wild West, they had all these names because, precisely because there are so few of them. And if you're going to be uh, in, uh, if, if you're going to say there's so many of them, well then, how come we don't have a list of, of more people? You have, you know, the, we have Michael Brown, we have Trayvon Martin, we have Eric Garner, we have uh, a Freddie Gray, and of course Philand- Rodney King from Philando the Philando Castillo and this guy Sterling. Yeah, these the last two. The last two, right? So you know, all those lives and are important. It, but by the way, right. some of them were in fact found not to be, not to have. Uh, uh, been inappropriate police conduct whatsoever. Yeah, and there's including only, Freddie Gray and uh, the Michael Brown. Right, and there's two I want to mention because I want to help our other our political adversaries and philosophical adversaries out uh, one little bit. I will give you two names of two people who did not have any criminal records who were victimized by police. Right, Abner Louima and Amadou Diallo. Those were the two, I think, in 1996, 1997. One was abused in the police station, and the other was shot on the street in New right. York. Those were the only two I can think of that had a big ruckus raised about them that turned out not to have a criminal record. Right. That's right. It, it's, uh, it, it's a little bit strange, right? But, but putting aside that the, the righteousness of the cops uh, doing something that's a, that's a lethal force situation, and there is a reason why we have cops who have guns, like we said before. It's going to happen. There are going to be confrontations. And if you, I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement would mean that every time there's a single black person who is killed by a police officer, you're going to have these demonstrations and it's going to be very violent and you have to do something about it. So the question is, what do we do about it? Do we simply tell the police, okay, listen, everyone go home and no one be a police officer anymore? Do we say, okay, we, we better have better uh, enforcement of any uh, cops uh, who are found to have engaged in le- lethal behavior. Uh, okay, but both of those things are happening. First of all, the police are, are not signing up anymore. They're not, doing, they're not engaging in confrontation uh, where they need to be engaging in confrontation, for one thing. Secondly, we are uh, very aggressive about uh, enforcing uh, cops to do the right thing and such. Right, we, we we criminalize them if they have in fact gone ultra virus, meaning beyond the scope of their duties. Then then yeah, we want to jail them, but boy, what a tough tough position it is for them, to to you know they're they're there to protect and to serve. They're they're barely making any income whatsoever, and all they know is that every time they have an actual confrontation with somebody who happens to be uh, black or some other uh, minority, that. Every move that they make, and God forbid, become a lethal confrontation, that they will be judged, and they they will be uh, on the front uh, center of every every newspaper. Uh, they don't need this, and so their inclination will be to say, "Well, thanks, but no thanks. I'm just gonna back off here, and you you commit the crime that you need to commit." I mean, it's much easier for the cop, yeah, isn't can it? I, can I? Make, but wait, 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 oh, let me get ahead. to the main point because I, I there's a really critical point here. If in fact. Uh, these confrontations were happening so often, then you would think that there would be a long list of people who, uh, who are engaging, the, uh, who've been victims of this, right? Why not then do something like what we do every uh, anniversary of 9-11? What do we do on 9-11? We, we have somebody, a couple of people, I think, going back and forth, reading the long list of the victims of the World Trade Center and the, Pan- uh, the uh, Pentagon, and of course the people who died in the airplanes. We have that list, and the firemen and the, the first responders who had died. And we go through that long list, 
How come we don't do that with all these victims of uh, the, the racial profiling police, the ones who are so racist and such? Where is that list? Yeah, eight guys. It's, it's basically eight guys over the span of, I don't know, eight, 20 years? 20 years, yeah. Okay, so you can't possibly work with... I mean, th this is a phenomenal ratio, by the way. I mean, it's, it's an amazing ratio that, that so few people have died at the hands of the police in the first place, that they happen to be black, and, and none of them are racially motivated, whether that's Rodney King or Freddie Gray or, or, or any of those guys. Nothing is happening. And all of them were committing crimes or being investigated for a committed crime and or had a rap sheet a mile long. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the, the problem is that you, you've got three significant factors. One is uh, that you are not looking at the actual racist intent, which is, is being presumed and wrongfully presumed, and you're not looking at the circumstances of the confrontation itself, which very often justifies, sadly, a lethal um, response. You just sometimes have to do that, especially in light of the, the heat of the moment, as they say, when analyzing one of these things. And then the third thing, of course, is you're ignoring entirely, entirely the fact that this happens not just to black people or other minorities. It happens to white people or people who don't consider themselves minorities, generally speaking. It happens. And it's equally tragic to the families of those victims as well. But, but you're just assuming that when a, when a white cop, let's say, happens to have a confrontation, a lethal confrontation with a white uh, a victim or a passenger in a, in a car, that therefore, it, you know, it's, it's not racist or anything else like that. But you, you have that, I guess, the luxury of deciding that the reason why the cop killed this black passenger is because it was racial. That's the reason. That's a, that's a, a luxury that you can in, engage in, right? The white person doesn't have that luxury. The, if, if somebody in your family, God forbid, gets killed in, in a situation like that, the first thing you think of is, what did he or she do wrong? It's the first thing I think. Right? And Uncle Fred, he always was a loser. Yeah, you, you Figures. Don't just, yeah, <laughs> right? You don't just decide, well, it's because of, of her, his or her skin color. Right? But that's, it's just a, it, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a lazy man's way out of explaining what happened. Because without looking at the actual circumstances of the, of the confrontation, you're never going to be able to get anywhere. And we talked about this on my Sunday show. You know, the best way to respond to this, all of this stuff that we're talking about, you always have to look at the individual level. And we'll get, we'll get to that about in terms of our relationship with civilization in a moment. But you always have to look at that. Because everything is based upon a one-on-one -on -one situation with anybody, right, at the end of the day. You're being pulled over by a cop. You, not all blacks are being pulled over by a cop when you are being pulled over a cop. You're a black person, let's say, and you're being pulled over, okay? Your, your entire race is not being pulled over, okay? Understand that. It's just you. Just you, okay? <laughs> so the way you respond... Oh, and it wasn't every cop pulling every black over. <laughs> that's, that's it's just true. one cop, maybe two, right. pulling you over. Right, who happens to be white. And you, who happen to have black skin. Okay. Now, here's your, your choices. You can either be nice to the cop, be rude to the cop, be indifferent to the cop. I don't know. But it's not wise to engage <clears throat> in a confrontational setting with any cop. Whatever, whatever the cop's uh, background is, whether he's uh, white, black, uh, purple, or Jewish, or Korean, or whatever it might be. It's just, just be respectful. It's law and order. Yeah, right? we're on don't we, wait, wait, don't we yeah. all want law and order? So... What you do is you say, how can I help you, officer? 
and you be as polite as you can. And even if that cop is in fact a racist and doesn't like black people, why would you goad him? Why would you do it? You know, what are you going to say? I bet you're pulling me over because I'm black, aren't you? And then what you put the, the cop on the defensive? No, sir. The reason why is because you're speeding or you have a broken taillight. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't pull me over if it, if, if, if I were a white man with a broken taillight, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it's just so unfortunate. You, you, you just got to be the best person you can be. This is what I say. And I said it on my Sunday show, and I think it resonated very well. Look, I'm Jewish. Ari is Jewish, too. I had confrontations because I was Jewish. I, I dealt with a lot of anti-Semitism, a lot, uh, when I was uh, in my high school years. Okay, And it was it fun? Of course not. But how did I respond? Did I, did I demand that the whole school have a, some sort of... Uh, Jew uh, lives matter? Yeah, Jew lives matter, or for that matter, a, a, a Jewish sensitivity training uh, you know, course throughout the place. I mean... Did, did I demand that all laws be changed, that, you know, that every Jew needs to be treated with kick gloves? I, I don't understand. What, I didn't do that. I simply, and, and I, I can't change people's thoughts. You just can't do that. You know what you can do, though? You can, and this way you can change people's thoughts? You be the best damn person you can possibly be. And that's what I decided. I decided to be friendly. I decided to be the best student I can be, the best athlete I could be. And you know what? I, I gained their respect. I was the best student in the class. I was pretty good in sports. I got along with them. I shared ideas with them and such. And after a while, you know what? Not only did they like me, but they said, you know, I think I might have been wrong about Jews in the first place. I, 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 I became an ambassador for Jews, right? And, and I think that's a healthy approach. And we, we only have, you know, one-on-one we, we always think about somehow it's about race relations. You, you think about you know, like this huge mass of white people and this huge mass of black people and this huge mass of Hispanics and Koreans. It doesn't work that way. In our day-to-day life, it's one-on-one. You mean they don't uh, get us all into Dodger Stadium and group us by group in right. d- different sections of the seating right. and then say now... Black people and white people cross this field in right, exactly. have, have at it. Kumbaya. That's right. It, 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 does, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. No, that doesn't it's one on one. Wow. Okay? Yeah, it's a strange thing. Uh, there's one. There's one group of people that does think of the. I'm trying to remember their name. Oh yeah, the Democratic Party. Okay, that's the way they they view you. They view you not as an individual. They view you as your skin color. The first thing that you you know. But but how many of you, whether you're black or white um, or minority of any kind. What do you do when you look in the mirror? I think Dennis Prager talked about this. Do you look in the mirror and say, here I am, John Williams will say, uh, a black man. <laughs> you, you don't look at that. No, you, you look in the mirror and you say, I'm John Williams. No, you don't. Hold on, hold on. Maybe I need to shave, right? <laughs> I need to brush my teeth. I need to get ready. I need to call up that client. I need to call up that vendor. Uh, but th- 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 you, know, you don't just look at yourself and just say, here I am. I'm black man. I'm black mama. I'm a black man. This is this is the way they want you to think, at least the Democratic Party wants you to think, but it's so destructive. And I had a, a caller onto my Sunday show, telling me that I'm arrogant. I think that that's ex- precisely the word he used about me. That I didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, that I was uh, I failed to understand what it was like to live with black skin and such like that. And I told him very plainly. I said, first of all. I, I did suffer some sort of discrimination. I went through that with you just now. And he seemed to like, oh, okay, I didn't even think about that. And I said, where do you want to go from here? 
what, what's, the, what's the plan? You tell me what the, the end game is here. Just to complain and complain all the time about this confrontation and that confrontation. And if it's happening so rampantly with all the cell phones available and all the recording devices available, and we only have, as we, I think we counted about eight in the past 20 some odd years, most of which, by the way, were the Obama years, but that's another story. If that's the case, then maybe it's not such a horrific situation as possible. Now, you, you, you may you think, mean, okay. Maybe it's a solution in search of a problem? Uh, I think that's right. It's exactly right. So, and he'll say, look, not every case is a lethal confrontation. And, and he's right. And he'll say, no, it's just that the way they look at you, the way they talk to you, the way they, they kind of give you this hassle. And, and he might be right. We, we, we're not black. We, we, we acknowledge that. But how do you explain then that if it were, in fact, if there was more racism about it, then how come we don't have more lethal confrontations? That's one thing. Then how do you explain um, when, when a black cop has a confrontation, sometimes a lethal confrontation with a black person? Is that racist also? I don't think so. Well, it was with the Freddie Gray case. Yeah, well, and then they were, they were acquitted, Ironically, all of yeah. them. So uh, and, and all of them will be acquitted, guaranteed. It's it. There is no way you can get around it. And um, so and, and how do you explain all the, the it, it's pretending as though it never happens to to me. This is where my friend, his name was Byron, a very nice guy, by the way. We talked after the show as well. But I think Byron, who's black, he's right that we don't live in his skin, but he also doesn't live with our skin. OK. Because when I see a cop pull by, I also am a little bit with my hair raised. I'm also a little bit cautious. Is he going to just pull me over because, you know, he thinks I'm Jewish? Nah, that's possible. Or is he going to pull me over because um, he just needs to meet his quota? Or he just wants to exercise power over somebody because it makes him feel good? So you're I saying, don't know. So you're saying as a white man, you don't go around getting pulled over for, by the cops just for fun? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> because that's what the impression they're creating. Right, right. Well, that's the, that's the impression that a lot of people will create saying that about black people, and maybe they're right. But what they're saying, what they're failing to recognize, is that stuff happens to white people also. Okay, one of uh, one of my clients, for example, I like him very much. He got arrested recently. He's a white guy, and and he's outraged with the police, outraged with the way they treated him. But he's 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 white. I would say he's Irish looking, if anything. And you would think, okay, well, there's a lot of Irish cops, right? Well, why was he thrown in jail, right? But he doesn't have the luxury, nor did he say that this was for racist reasons, right? He couldn't. So how do you explain that, my friend Byron? How? Because your failure to see the other side of this, that other things happen in the rest of the country. You're only looking at the black experience, but you, you also need to look at the white experience. You are assuming wrongly that bad stuff doesn't happen to white people. It does. Crazy stuff happens. Okay? But we don't talk about it, and we don't get to say it's racist, and we don't get to, to call up the people, the Black Lives Matter group, and say, hey, can you please hold the ticker tape parade for me? And white people in other cities don't burn their, down their cities when something exactly happens right. in our city. Well, we're getting some really nice comments. Uh, let's see. Uh, we get a, a comment from John Sulak. I hope that's pr pronouncing it correctly. Uh, this is just in. The Dallas police officers who got shot were the victims of a hate crime perpetrated by the Muslim Barack Hussein Obama. And anyone um, 
sorry, doubting this can kiss my okay. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So. Oh, those are my follows. Uh, well, such great look, people. <laughs> I, 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 let me let me tone it down a little bit from from John's point. I do think what I will take from what John says, and I don't, I can't obviously agree with him saying the, the, the with the um, the bile with which he says it. But there is something. There is a kernel of truth. One is, and maybe more than a kernel of truth, and that is this: that Obama is giving a green light to people to express rage, and not. Uh, containing the rage and not uh, um, advancing a notion of law and order and instead saying, what was it, Trayvon Martin could have been my son and that the, the Cambridge police acted stupidly and that race relations are, you know, worst time or whatever it is. All the things that he said, it, it, it is feeding the monster, so yeah, to speak. Comes, it, it's feeding the mob. Yeah, he comes to every one of these with vaporized gasoline to... Yeah. to Make the fire so burn higher rather than a nice wet towel to cool it down. Yeah. He never once said, let's be more circumspect about this. Let's not. Ju- don't mature people always say, let's not jump to a conclusion. Yeah. But said it's always the yeah. conclusion that's jumped to. And also, today in Dallas, he, uh, he said something along the lines he, of, yeah, he made a major it's, speech. it's yeah. easier for a black teenager to get his hands on a Glock. Which isn't easy for me to get my hands on. Trust me, it was. <laughs> it's a very expensive right. piece of hardware, right? Right. Ignoring the fact that to get at your hands on a book, or he says it's easier to get your hands on a Glock than a book. Well, any public library is full of books, and they don't background check you. Well, it's it's a silly comment exactly, altogether. But it turns of course, out you can get a book much it. more easily. And it, just to say this is. You know, with no factual underpinnings whatsoever, it's so easy to to, to shock uh, to, to, to say these things that are totally unsupported. It's nonsensical. Yeah, but the point is, here's the ultimate opportunity for a moment of healing, right? Here's the funeral. Here's the time when Black Lives Matter in Texas can take a, a moment to deeply breathe and think about all the cops who protected Black Lives Matter's protesters that night from being sniped by this this horrible murder, right. and everyone can just take a, a deep breath and ask themselves, is what we're doing really uh, solving the problem? Right. Are cops really the enemy entirely? Right. So, like we say, this is a timeless uh, podcast. We really try to make them not locked into anything uh, specific, but uh, from, a, from a news event-wise. And, and this is no different. So the questions that come about that I, I think need to be what, um, what do you want? What is the end game of this? Is it you want, what, better enforcement and, and more imprisonment of cops uh, every time there's a lethal uh, confrontation? If that's the case, we can talk about that. I think that there is plenty of that happening. Yeah, or um, less enforcement of criminals so these things don't, the confrontations no, they're not, don't Yeah, they're not, they're not even thinking about that. Uh, do you want maybe more black cops? Am I more, I mean, do you want to get rid of all white cops? I, I, it's not clear what what the actual end game is. And then the next question, or it's more of a statement, be careful what you want, you just might get it. Okay? Okay, so what do I mean by that? I mean that if you get to the position, let's say what you want is, listen, we want less police enforcement. Those police, they're bad guys. They're, they do much more harm than good. Let's get them off the streets. Okay? We, we just don't want you guys patrolling our neighborhoods anymore. Uh, we'll, we'll take care of ourselves. Uh, thank you very much. Okay. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Do you think there'll be A, multiple choice time, more crime, B, less crime, C, about the same, or D, 
F you. <laughs> what, which, which is it? Okay. It's, of course, it's going to be more crime. There's a great Michael Ramirez cartoon that Ari showed me, and I'll just describe it. Um, it it's a cartoon of Obama before this huge Hoover Dam type looking place. And, and it's uh, behind the Hoover Dam is a, a huge body of water. And it's, it's called crime, right? So the water is crime. And the dam, of course, uh, what, what its label is, is the police, <laughs> okay? And you see Obama before uh, the, the dam and with his microphone and his, his uh, what, do you, what do you call Podium. it? Podium. Podium, yeah. Um, and he says, tear down this wall, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's so wonderful because it's such a classic example of, of, of a misuse of, of uh, a great expression from Ronald Reagan. But it's wonderful because it describes exactly what will happen. What do you want? Be careful what you want. You just might get it. You're going to get a flood of crime. Already we are. You know, when, you, when you tell the police that they have to worry every single minute of the day with every single confrontation they have, and when, especially in the inner cities, when they are dealing, like it or not, uh, or reality or not, they're dealing with mostly African-American and other minorities, uh, what's going to happen, if, especially if you're a white cop? But apparently it doesn't matter, even if you're a black cop and you gain, uh, engage in a, in a lethal confrontation or a very uh, physical confrontation with, um, with a perpetrator or a victim of some kind, you're going to be second-guessed regardless. It's going to be assumed that what you're doing is because you don't like blacks. And then you're going to have the parade and your, your picture is going to be on the news. Do you really want this? Okay? Be careful what you want, as they say. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a client who had opened up a food operation in a shopping center, but the landlord had misrepresented the amount of foot traffic that your client would get. Yeah, Dennis, and very quickly my client felt the impact, losing a tremendous amount of money each month. He had invested $250,000 in improvements into the business. All right, how did you resolve that one? It turns out that the shopping center was about to be sold, so we waited for just the right moment before the sale because we knew the landlord would not want to have to disclose this major lawsuit. Suddenly, he's settled for a lot of money. Sometimes you have to know how to time your luck. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now, listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The End. All right, folks, uh, thanks so much for tuning back in. This is uh, Brock Lurie again. Uh, look, we've been talking about the notion of how the police are somehow the bad guys, right? That, that we need to somehow check in with them and, and decide uh, to do something about it. What to do is, is just not that clear, right? This is a, this is a mob rule uh, decision-making that seems to be going on that, does, that has no defined end game whatsoever. 
Okay, what, what is the, the goal? Right? We, you have to think about what you want. Do, do you want no police? Um, you know, a couple of my callers will say, and I'm sure that some of my, our tweets will say eventually, that, look, we want justice. We want the police to be convicted for abuse of minorities when, they, when they're abusing them, especially for, with racist intent. Okay. So here's the problem. First of all, study after study shows that there, there is no racist intent going on. There, there are confrontations with black uh, passengers and cars and such and drivers. There are um, even killings. But, and sometimes it's by a white cop, sometimes by a black cop, sometimes by other races cop. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's automatically racist. So what we're finding out is that there's very little evidence of actual racial motive. You may believe it to be the case. You may think that's really what's going on. But that's not enough, right? Not in a court of law, nor in a, a matter of a public opinion. It, it just, it's just not enough. All right. Now, even assuming that's to be the case, even assuming it, the, the question is, what is your, let, let's say you have one or two. Uh, the, the Harvard study couldn't find any. Okay, they, they took some 2,000 people, I think it was, confrontations, and they couldn't find a single one. So the question is, what do you want? With those that, that, where there are confrontations, where you believe it is racist, and let's say it is racist, what do you want? Yeah. Well, clearly it's not about uh, anything realistic that has to do with you know, improving the situation. All they ever talk about is essentially getting rid of the police force entirely. Now, granted, and I, I believe the uh, Dallas police chief made a great statement about this, he basically said that part of the problem is the police are asked and contracted to do a bunch of work that was never intended to be police work in the beginning. You know, social services, social engineering. A policeman's job in the traditional sense is to walk the beat, protect and serve, and then investigate crimes after they've happened. Well, Not but, but, but putting that aside, putting that aside, let's say okay, the reality on the ground right now is that you have confrontations. You need to stop people who seem to be doing bad things. So, okay, you see this one guy, black or white, and he seems to be robbing a store, okay? Now you have a confrontation. You say, freeze, mother effer, right? And, and then, you know, there might be a confrontation. Maybe there might be even a shooting. Okay, so let's, let's just create that as a fact on the ground, okay? Now, now they're investigating whether or not this was an appropriate shooting and, God forbid, whether it was actually a racist shooting. Okay, what do you want? What, what is the goal? And, and I think the only answer to that is, well, we want to make sure that if it was a racist uh, killing or a confrontation, that that cop be punished uh, for that. Okay, well, all right, fine. I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's kind of like gun control. Crime is already against the law. What do you need another law? Dirty well, cops, bad behavior Yeah, but, but, the, judicial, all, but the judicial system is already there. Right, and, that's and, my point. And if the evidence comes out that it was racially motivated I, and you want to amplify, there's, there are sentencing structures where it shows that if you actually did something with racial bias, well, then that elevates the, the crime in terms of a sentencing point of view. Okay, but that presumes that you can have, you have evidence of actual racial animus. Okay, if, if, you, if you can prove that, then okay, th there you go. But how do you prove that? And how do you get inside the brain of, of, of the mind of that cop 
to decide that he, he meant to do that. Yeah, and and uh, the racial animus you're talking about is just another level of uh, a violation of law. Uh, yeah. it, a bad shooting is already a bad shooting. Police brutality or misconduct is already misconduct. I know, but... Uh, so oh, you're just adding yeah. hate crime charges on top of that right, at that's most. Right. But, but really, wait, 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 wait yeah. because... Because what I'm saying is that they're conflating the, the, the mere fact that there is a white on black um, confrontation is not enough. That, that's that's really what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I mean, it's just so easy to to pile on and just decide this is what you were doing and this is isn't this outrageous? No. The fact is that there will be cops that take on uh, minorities who are uh, actually engaging crime or or seem to be engaging a crime, right or wrong. You can't second-guess the cop at the time. But to say that he also decided to hurt or to mistreat or even kill a person because he had racist purposes, that's another story altogether. You can't win with that argument. And you can present evidence. And if there's no evidence, you have to accept the fact that there's no evidence. Example, Ferguson. All right? Officer Darren Wilson, right? There was no evidence that he acted... Uh, first of all, with racist motives, let alone that he acted inappropriately, whether the man that he killed was black or purple or anything. There was, there was no evidence whatsoever, but there was outrage. Outrage, you know. Why? Because the mob decided that they know better. Okay? And, and it's about mobs that I want to speak about right now. Because that's really where we're going on in this second segment of our, our show. We are approaching not only... A notion of mob rule, but a pandering to mob rule. Okay, what do I mean by that? I mean, I mean that when Obama, the, our president, goes to uh, the funeral of some of the slain officers and starts talking about how we need to understand and and the, the climate of of uh, violence and the climate of of culture and, and the climate of anger and such like that. And, and yes, even um, Governor, uh, sorry, uh, President Bush, George W. H. W. Bush, that is, when the 1992 riots happened, he were, he was talking about understanding the anger. No, that's not acceptable. You, you, there's no understanding of the anger. Anger has nothing to do with it. Justice is all that matters. Justice, not anger. Justice. Because the minute you give in and and start respecting the mob. You, you, you've lost your civilization. And that is what the Democratic Party, especially Hillary Clinton, because she's the one running for president, that's what they're pandering, pandering to right now. What does she say when the, um, the Dallas shootings occurred? She said, we are all racists, right? Well, what was that about, right? Don't, aren't we just pandering? Does this help the cause? Does this hurt the cause? You tell me. I, I think it's a, a tremendous, devastating blow to our law and order. If you tell everyone that, to, a, to any black person who feels like a victim, that everyone around him is racist, then he'll look at everyone around him as a racist. Why? Because Hillary Clinton told him so. Not a good, not, not a good uh, precedent, shall we say. Mob rule. So, when you cater to mob rule, do you get more of it, less of it? About the same. Tick tock, Ari. 
You get a ton of it. You get a ton. You get whatever you incentivize people right. and reward them for for giving you. And right. and there's two kind of interesting points about this that I'm I'm just amazed by. First of all, we are the least racist nation in the history of the world. Yeah, not just now. We're the but only ever. place that the tribalism of our multiple ancestries has been forgotten for the individual pursuits of, of the civil society. Right. You and I can walk into any restaurant in this area right. and sit among people of all different ethnic backgrounds and eat any sort of ethnic food from an ethnic background. Right, and we wouldn't give a crap. And no one cares about the ethnicity of anyone around That's them in so the restaurant. True. It's, it's exactly and, and they on. ignore, the Democrats with their rhetoric, ignore the miracle that this is. This is an absolute miracle of humanity for, for the thousands of years of tribalism that humanity suffered and fought for to get to this moment. And how dare the Democrats throw I that know. away so they, they, cheaply? They, well, they, because, of course, time has stopped, you understand. It stopped in 1952 uh, because where everyone was, well, there was a lot of racism and such, and there were separate bathrooms and all the terrible things that were going on. But <laughs> when was the last time you went into a restaurant, a restaurant like you were describing, or any restaurant? Uh, whether it's in a white majority white neighborhood or otherwise, and and you saw somebody who had a different skin color than your own, and you said, "Come on, honey, let, let, let's go." Okay, you you never right, and more to the point, when did you ever see anybody else leaving the restaurant, any stranger in that restaurant leaving, saying, you know, whether you can notice that they were looking at the incoming people of of color. And that person's saying, come on, honey, let's go. Yeah, there goes the neighborhood. We're one yeah. of those. My wife has when? a great when? saying it's, 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 about It's just this. not happening. Yeah, it does not happen. My wife has such a brilliant saying about this. She said, you are more likely to walk down the streets of any city in America. And you are more likely to run into actual aliens getting out of a UFO <laughs> than an actual racist. Yeah who is getting away with their racism without being shouted down by a bunch of That's people so like us who do not tolerate racism. Well, uh, that's how unracist this well, that, nation is. And that's is. why we call it the unicorn, right? Because, uh, to, to, you know, and the media is constantly looking for that, that additional Rodney King moment, right, where they can say, isn't this a horrible tragedy? And, and when they can't find it, well, then they, they force a fit in it, like, you know, when you, when you were making puzzles as a little kid, right? You, well... I'm too lazy, so I'm just going to force this puzzle piece to fit into this puzzle. But that's what they do. And, and, and Trayvon Martin is a good example. So what's his George Zimmerman, I think it was named. He was, he was Hispanic. But they made him a white Hispanic, whatever that means. right? <laughs> tell, tell that to a Hispanic. They revoked You're, his affirmative action card to get yes. into university just to scapegoat him. And then you have, of course, uh, in the... Um, uh, the, the Baltimore guy, Fergus, uh, Freddie Gray, Gray Freddie Gray. Gray. Yes. Uh, three of them were black, and I think uh, one of them was a woman, and uh, I mean, two of them were women, and uh, okay, and they're all racist somehow. I mean, I, I just don't understand this. Uh, anyway, and, and they can't possibly argue this, but they, but if the victim is black, well, then he, he has more of the mob behind him for some reason. But they, but they don't think whatsoever about the salience aspect of it, wondering to themselves whether or not this happens to anybody else. And it does happen to other people. You Tragically, mean white people, yeah. <laughs> who get killed yeah. all the time. They get killed too. And and uh, uh, anyway, so they'll but but they'll say it's disproportionate, Mr. Lurie. It's disproportionate, Mr. David. And and maybe they're right, but that's not the point here. The the point is uh, that that disproportionality may be because 
sadly, there is more crime uh, committed in the minority community. That's a fact, and it's not a question of racism. It just is. There, there are, uh, sadly, many more African Americans in jail than there are, and certainly compared to the to the their percentage in the population, there's many more, and there's there there's reasons for that. It's nothing to do with their skin. Yeah, and also the same percentage of of blacks are also victims of crimes, victims yeah, of these 90% of black victimizers. Yeah, the, 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 the white on the, black uh, you know, enforcement crime, first of all, it's not happening, uh, certainly not for racist purposes, um, but that percentage compared to the number, the, to the incidences of black on black crime is just, it's dwarfed. Yeah, I'm, I'm stunned. Where's the mob outrage of all these black people who are victims of black crime? Right. And it's so funny because... In, in funny, not haha, but in a wry, uh, ironic sense, the outrage and the constant calling for you, what you and I have discussed at this right. podcast before this random, unspecified change, you know, the Michael Moore yep. economics example. Why is the change always looting, arson, rioting? And never the replacement of the Democrat incumbents who've been running those local governments for decades. Yeah, the, Why don't they ever the, ask the question, yeah. if we want to change things, how about we vote for the other guy for once? The frustration is just too deep, right? Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day. Okay, so look, because uh, I want to move on to the next topic, but it's related. First of all, when has the mob ever been right? Answer, zero. Okay? There's never been a time where the mob... You know what? You make a good point, mob. Okay? <laughs> like, no. It's the best you can do with a mob is just to corral them and say, "Stop. Yeah. That's that, that that dog don't hunt." And the mob does really bad things. The the in in a mob there's diffusion of responsibility. People start escalating their emotions. It only plays to their emotions. There's a wave of emotion that that they all kind of circular, you know, it it, it kind of creates a uh, a tornado effect. Right? I mean, a tornado, what is a tornado? It's just a combination of wind, right? But it just somehow accelerates itself. It becomes a different entity altogether. It's just air when you think about it. And a mob is just people when you think about it. But when they are galvanized under one principle or one idea, they start doing crazy things. And uh, as soon as a, a fist uh, goes into somebody's face, soon a rock is thrown at a, at a glass window, and, and they feel... Like, it's not them doing it. It's the mob doing it. It's the group doing it. Right. People and lose that, Yeah, and that, my friends, is super dangerous. Yeah, yes. That, that's where it is. And when you say that there's legitimacy to this, and if you don't call them thugs as they are, if you don't call them the mob and mob rule and how dangerous as it is, you're going to get more of it. Okay? Because the mob has never been right. Remember that phrase. The mob has never been right, will never be right, and it will always be dangerous. And it can never be right because there's an actual almost dynamic, a law of physics like, uh, like gravity or the theory of relativity or something like that, Some, a constant in the universe. Right. The more people you add to a group in which individual decision-making is diffused and eliminated, the lower the collective IQ of the decisions made by such amorphous right, right, aggregate right, groups right, right, right. happen. Yeah. So as the mob gets more evil... Its stupidity increases. Of course. So of it course. attacks softer and softer, less threatening, less threatening, more vulnerable, more vulnerable target after right. target. You know, even the emperors of Rome understood that you needed to corral the mob because it's dangerous. So what do they do? They created gladiator fights and such to distract them and such. 
Instead, what we're doing is we're actually appealing to the mob. We're saying, let's let's do this. So we understand you. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do stuff. And and you know, it, it's so funny. During the French Revolution, they tried to appease the mob also, and they tried you know this thing after that thing, and it would never was satisfactory. There's never a time, and this is the final point about the mob I want to make. There was never a time where the mob demanded something, and then the government responded with. Here, here, we're doing something for you. Yeah, we're giving you a yes. Right. Here's what you yeah. want. Where the mob says, thank you, and then they go home. Okay? Right. That, that has never happened, ever. Okay? If you want proof of that, look at the French Revolution. That's what the government of France tried to do, and they, they got beheaded in the process. Yes. Time after time after time. You thought ISIS was bad. Well, ISIS is pretty bad. But, but they, they, they did horrific things during the, the reign of terror. And we need to understand that from the, the mob rule mentality. This is what mobs do. The moment you start catering to them, to appease to them, uh, you, you are, uh, you're, you're rapidly entering into the descent of civilization, which leads us to the next point. It's, it's, it's slightly different, but I want you to talk, I want to talk about relationships. Okay. Now, even the mob, in a sense, is about relationships, right? The mob has a relationship with it's the government, right? And what do you do with this mob, right? You, you, you deal with it. You think you're dealing with, like, with an individual, but you're not, right? You're dealing, as we just talked about, with hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people. You're dealing with a swarm of insects. A swarm. Well, not even a swarm, but, but you're dealing, but the point is. But my point is they drop to insectoid intellectual. Remember, remember how we talked, I believe, yesterday about how when people talk about the blacks, the whites, right? When, when you're having a confrontation with a police officer, you're not, sorry, when you're dealing with, when a cop, when a cop is pulling you over, let's say a black cop, and he's, he's pulling you over for speeding, right? You don't say, here I am, a white man dealing with a black man, right? I'm not the white people now dealing with the black people, right? I'm, no, I'm, I am Barack Lurie dealing with Officer Williams. <laughs> that's what's, what's happening. That is it. Okay, but to conflate it to something else—that's that, what we're seeing all the time. And we're, we're seeing it, whites versus blacks all the time. And they, they, the, the Black Lives Matter group wants you to think that way, and the Democrats want you to think that way. And it's of relationships that I now want to speak. And you, you have, um, what I was saying, when you talk, talk to a mob, when the government is talking to a mob. They think they're speaking to one person. That's the funny thing. Is will this satisfy you? And some maybe for one person it will, but for the for the blob that's called the mob, no. They they want action. They they want fun things. They want mayhem. They want to get drunk. They want to have sexual orgies. They uh, they, they want they yeah. want crazy things to happen, and and they don't mind when things are set ablaze, and when people are maimed. In the process, they want their rage to be expressed. It's not about uh, addressing a concern. It's just—it's never is. It's about feeding the fire. Well, the, and you either need so so yeah. a fire is ablaze, and you can either douse it out with water, okay, and say that you guys are done, or you can say, "Would you like some more fuel?" Right. Okay. That. Yeah. That's. I was. I was just going to say since. I speak jive. I was going to translate English to Mopsky by saying what they want is to burn the bitch down. Because uh -huh. that's, 
that's what you're saying, right? In English. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I don't want to use jive because, you know, the mobs don't just apply to, to the black community. It applies to so many. And we talked about the French Revolution. Right, but those are the there, things not, chance. Yeah, you know, I understand. Amorphous. Yeah, good for today. But, yes. but mobs have existed in history throughout. And we need to learn from history. We, 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 choose, we are choosing not to learn. Uh, we are choosing to ignore history in particular, and Hillary Clinton is doing that because, you know what, uh, sadly, very sadly, and I'm saying this more as a fact on the ground, uh, the, between the two parties, the liberal party benefits from mob rule. It benefits from, from that anger, that seething, because there's nothing logical in the liberal platform, right? We've, I think we've established that. There is no logic in it, and I can prove that by saying you know, no policy of the liberals has ever been successful. Uh, they've never been right on any policy whatsoever. And um, they're, they're, they're the, what they perceive to be the cause of, of any problem is never the cause of the problem. Yeah, they're what, against human nature. Right. Yeah. What, what they perceive to be the solution to any problem is never the, the right solution to a right. problem, right? They've always been wrong. And, and we can talk about cities and how every time a city, I think you pointed this out, uh, anytime a city is uh, a liberal city, you can rest assured that it's it's going to be tanked, right? And if it's a Republican or a, at least a conservative-run city, it's going to succeed. We know this. So we know that it's not about logic at the end of the day. So what is it about? It's about feelings. And that's how the Dem- Democrats win. They win with feelings, okay? They win with the right gesture. They, they win with the you're the victim speech, Right. Yeah, the um, I care, I feel your pain. Right, and they give they, they win with the freebies. Yes. right. I'll give you more, and those guys won't give you anything, but I will, and and that's how they win. And the mob is a great vehicle for all of that. That's right. right. I will let you engage in more mayhem. I understand your protest. We're if, gonna if give, you, yeah, we're gonna give them the room they needed to destroy. Remember oh my that? Gosh, you're so right. That so mayor true. of Baltimore, that idiot. Yes, yes, I, I, I totally mean, remember that. <sighs> And and it was breathtaking, but you know what? It, that's so emblematic of the point that we're that that we're making, which is they're feeding the mob. They they want to give them room, which you might as well say give them fuel for the fire. Yeah, or give them heads right. to chop off, might give them well. bodies. That's exactly right. This is this is the concern we have with the relationship. Uh, when when you perceive the mob, it's not one person; it is a mob. Okay, and a mob is very different. People do and say things in a mob that they would never imagine themselves ever saying. If you were to take a person uh, who, who do, you know, throws people uh, and, and, and what they did to Reginald Denny, uh, God bless him, uh, and how they destroyed him. If, if they were to say, would you do this to somebody individually on the street on an ordinary day? A lot of them would say, not everyone, but a lot of them, some, some people are just horrific people. But a lot of them would say, no, I would never do that. Would you ever say the following to such a, to any person just randomly on the street? No, I would never do such a thing. But when they're in the mob, it's not even the safety of the mob. It's the tornado of the mob that allows them to do really horrific things. Yeah, it's the animal instinct that's tapped yeah. to. It's like an ancient set of animal instinctual behaviors yeah. that circumvents all common sense, all learned knowledge, right. that completely destroys... The human being they were, the fully right. integrated, synthesized human being they are at that moment, and regresses them back to something truly primitive. Yeah, and and very good point. And you have a um, what they're what they're appealing to is the feelings part of it, and like you say, the primitive part of a man, which always wants the laziest approach, and also wants to give me, and always wants to feel like the victim. 
And it's, it's descending more and more into it. We, we talk a lot of times about how the, the Democratic Party, liberals generally speaking, uh, and the far left for sure, is all about feelings. Well, here we go. I mean, the mob is the ultimate expression of just feelings, right? There's, there's nothing logical about a mob. Can we agree about that? Nothing. It's, it's driven entirely about feelings. So no surprise that the Democratic Party would glom onto an entity that just embraces feelings and horrific ones at that. Remember, feelings are not always wonderful things, right? You can have monstrous feelings. You can have feelings of jealousy and rage and, you know, that, that lead you to commit arson and breaking windows and even murdering people. So don't, don't make any mistake about this, folks. No, well, to be a little more accurate with that, you're, the seven feelings that exist, I think there's only like seven. Are you saying I'm not accurate? You know, I think you could be more accurate. I'll, right. Let me hone your blade for you. <laughs> That's right. Um, there are like seven feelings, anger, love, rage, you know, whatever those seven yeah. are. Not and all of them can, are good. And they can be applied uh, appropriately at the right time. Yeah. You could feel love for your child or you right. could feel love for your wife or inappropriately. You could feel love for the mob. Right. You can yeah, feel right. love for the arson that you there's just a, committed. There's a time and place for, for love, and there's a time and place for anger and so on. Yeah, you and I hate injustice. Yeah. We hate it. Those mobsters, the BLM mobsters who are running around, right. seem to, they're making it pretty clear to me, hate America right now. Yeah. They hate the civil society that America is made up of, and they call for an amorphous kind of... Uh, unspecified change. Right, well, they don't know what, what they want. Like, right, that's what we're talking no, about. No, no, they know what they want. They just know not to say it because what they want, and this is my opinion. Is to burn the... The, the, the bitch down? No, yeah. they want more. They want to burn the bitch down as a way of taking control and being the masters of the society that is replacing this current one so they can send all of us to some sort of oppressive position or yeah. some gulag. It, I, I, it appears I, yeah. to me that to be that way. In other words, uh, no, they, no doubt in the minds of some people that's the case. But I, I think, you know, being as um, generous about it as I, as I possibly can, they, they know not what they are doing. That, that's the bottom line, to, to refer to a, a Jesus statement. They really know not what they're doing. They, they, they're allowing to appeal to the, to the mob, uh, thinking that somehow that, that will, in fact, appeal to the mob, that will make them better, that will get them the solution. But it, like I said, the Liberal Party never... Uh, applies the, the the correct solution to the problem. Now, well, let me ask you a question about that because this might be one of the areas that we disagree on and our viewers love disagreements because when we fight, oh, that's good. <laughs> ah! Ow! I went off for He hurt me. Skip there. Um, <laughs> okay. The, the, the BLM... No, suddenly we got like the, 100 viewers all of a sudden. Right. Boom! Controversy. Okay, more fighting. But, yeah. More mob mentality. Yeah, that, 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 those past episodes <laughs> no, that are okay. like uh, uh, Bill Buckley on National Review. See, this yeah. is the new form. You know, Jerry Springer, the yeah, flying exactly chairs right. and stuff. Exactly right. But it seems like the irony of, of Black Lives Matter especially is it claims to be an anti-racist group. But it's, in my opinion, the most racist people I've seen publicly ever. They are literally... But why are we disagreeing with that? Well, why is that a disagreement? Because the disagreement is, I think this proves their end game, that they want a black supremacist society to replace oh, a multi we're, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. I, I, I have no doubt that you're right that some people within that, that's their ultimate goal. I don't think that's what the, the every, I don't think the mob knows, hang on, I don't think the mob knows what, they, what it wants. The mob never knows what it wants. I think you got it right the first time where you said that 
the mob, being in a mob allows them to appeal to their most primal instincts and to be enraged and to give voice, give physical voice to their rage, such as burning things down, killing people, maiming property, destroying property and such. But, but I want to move on to a different topic because I said it's of relationships that I want to speak and I'm going to blow your mind. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. Yet again. Uh, we, we're getting a, quite a few uh, t- uh, tweets right now, but I'm, I don't know if I can uh, access the actual um, tweet comments. I'd like to see if I can respond to them. Um, okay. All right. So we'll, we'll get those later. So we'll, we'll figure this out later. But thank you for all the tweets and all the Facebook postings as well. Uh, very, uh, very interesting and very informative stuff. Uh, well, I just have to read them later on. But uh, it's of relationships that I want to speak. Look, relationships are part of society, right? One of them is, you know, for example, are you and I are friends. We have a relationship as friends. You have a relationship with your wife. You have a relationship with your kids, father, daughter, right? Uh, one day, God willing, you'll, you'll be a grandparent. You'll have a relationship with your grandchildren. And then there's teacher, student, and there's um, police officer and citizen and uh Whatever you 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 name a lawyer and client right, and it goes on and on, father and mother and so on. These are relationships, and in each of those relationships, there are expectations and there are obligations, right? And some relationships have stronger ones, and some are not. But uh, you know, the father son mother a parent and child thing that there's the you know honor thy father and mother that's a very strong obligation. Uh, but the teacher is, is bound to the child, and the child is also bound to the teacher in order to behave nicely, and all those things, right? Here's something that I think a lot of people don't think about, that we have a relationship with civilization. How do you like that? I think that you have to have that in order to actually advance the civilization, that each one of us has to understand that we have a relationship that has duties and obligations and, yes, benefits out of that. But too many people look at their relationship with civilization as a one-way street, that there's only benefits that they get coming to them. There are rights coming to them, not realizing that the reason why we have civilization in the first place is that average citizens had a sense that they had a relationship with civilization. They had a duty to that civilization. They have obligations. Obligations. And, and But for those obligations being met, we wouldn't have all the structure and the joys of the civilization and the expectations that you're not going to be molested in the street and so on. But this, this is a message that people don't seem to ever embrace. They, they understand all the other relationships we talked about. But maybe the most important one, the one with civilization itself, they ignore. They, in fact, treat it like a man treats a woman at a one-night stand. Okay? I'll use her, say goodbye. I'll take the most out of her that I can right now, and uh, no obligations on my part. Hey, they use me too. <laughs> uh, that's Ari's fantasy. But we're not going there right now. I'm trying to leave it a positive, very <laughs> enthralling and, <laughs> and pondering moment, and you just blow it away. But that's the point. We have a relationship with civilization. And, and, and we have, it, until we recognize that, until we recognize that, then we might as well all be in a mob because that's where we're going to go to without each of us honoring the relationship that we must have 
to move this civilization forward. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.